Today I talked to Chelsea Jade, who has just released her second album, Soft Spot. Born in South Africa, raised in New Zealand, and now living in Brooklyn, Chelsea is balancing careers as a dancer, a musician, and a visual artist. So we start our music talk by asking how Soft Spot got its start. Well, at the beginning of 2020, I had a lot of plans laid, um, including some kind of record that I hadn't quite finished yet. And then um, kind of, you know, obviously plans all disintegrated at the same time as everyone else's did. So um, I kind of re-examined my goals um, and I kind of took a beat and I, um, and then I just started going through around like maybe July, I started kind of going through all of the um, kind of work I'd started in the, in the couple of years preceding. And I kind of, um, I kind of lacked perspective on all of it, but I did think, you know, I, I won't really understand what to do next until I finish all of this. Um, and so I kind of started a, a regimen of, of paying attention to um, these these songs that were, were nearly there, you know, um, and but maybe when I was maybe 80% finished, I, I uh, signed with Car Park Records and right. um, we kind of, then we started planning together to release them. So, and that's how Soft Spot came to be. So how did, how did you and Car Park come together? So my friend Liz, who's in a band called The Bets, yep. um, we've known each other since we were 13. And um, we were in our first band together back then. And um, the teacups, right? She had been, teacups, yeah. Yeah. So she had been sending Car Park my d demos. I, I had put out a record myself in 2018, just by myself. Um, and so, yeah, they just they just were enthusiastic about it. And, and of course, Liz's endorsement couldn't be stronger for me. I really trust. Liz's experiences and she had a, had a great experience. So, uh, we, she put us in touch and, and then, uh, so it goes. And so it goes. So, so <laughs> where, where and when did most of the recording take place for the record? It's, it's honestly been, uh, all over the show. Right. Um, not very, not a very linear process. Um, I can tell you where I took, where I uh, got the last probably 30% over the line, which is um, in Auckland okay. during, during the first lockdown that uh, happened right after I got there, after uh, my lockdown for the two weeks in the hotel. But uh, I had, I had access to a studio space via APRA, the PRO of New Zealand. And I was still able to go in there by myself Um during lockdown. So yeah, that's when, that's when a, a lot of the final touches and a lot of the vocals were recorded in there just with just me by myself. Um, so you didn't have an engineer so or anybody to say, kind of bounce things off with you were by, by yourself? No. <laughs> weird. Yeah. So I guess like mo half, half Los Angeles and half, um, Auckland. Yeah. And, and does it make a difference for you where you are when you're creating the music? 
No, um, I suppose, you know, what makes a difference is, is, uh, whether the room you're in is equipped to, to be recorded right. in. And I feel like that's something I really value about the time in the APRA studio was, um, it really kind of imbued me with, uh, the confidence that I had a lot of competence. Um, it's amazing what a soundproof room will, will, will give you in terms of, um, it, it really chips away at any kind of frustration that one might have with, a with their recording techniques. <laughs> <laughs> it's a much cleaner experience. Right. Right. So do you find it kind of intimidating in a studio sometimes? No, I find it a relief. A relief. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Cause I mean, otherwise prior to that, I'd been working on it in my studio apartment in Los Angeles, which I loved the apartment, but, um, it, the, it, it, it had a lot of sound bleed right. and, uh, a lot of immediate neighbors. <laughs> so, yeah. At one point I was like, I, I could hear this buzz. I could hear this endless buzz. And I opened my front door, which is, you know, my whole, the whole room of the apartment, it's a studio apartment, uh, is just behind this front door. And it was the, it was the goddamn hallway light. Like, what can I do about that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> nice to have a bit of control. Now I see you worked with a gentleman by the name of Leroy James Clampett. Like, uh, there's mm -hmm. this tune called Optimist on the record that you and he worked together on and kind of co-produced. Tell me about why you work with him and how you work with him. Yeah, so um, Leroy and I actually made Superfan and Optimist together. Um, he's just—he's actually just a longtime friend. Um, we came to Los Angeles at a similar time, and just prior to that, we were we were judging a children's music competition. We drove around New Zealand, um, coaching and judging children. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, Leroy had—he—he he and I worked together a lot. Um, when I first moved to Los Angeles in 2015, um, I would take a bus to his studio, which was behind a vape, a vape shop in, uh, like Santa Monica area. And then he kind of just, I mean, he's just, a incredibly, um, you, I learned a lot from working with him because he's got so much, um, he, there are no barriers when it comes to working with Leroy. He's got a great attitude. We're close outside of music. Right. And so the, it was very comfortable to kind of, um, collaborate. And, um, in terms of optimist, I had asked for a session for my birthday. Um, and so, <laughs> and so we were just kind of in his studio one day and, um, messing around and the first thing we recorded was um for superfan was the the squeaky the squeaky voice right. uh hook yeah um and then when it came to optimist what was the i can't re even remember the um i think probably the chorus was the first thing we came up with
I, I just liked um, the phrase, I'm almost positive it's love, like <laughs> holding back on, um, with the cynicism still present, and you haven't totally bought into the, uh, the optimism of new love, and then kind of building the song um, around that concept, which is, uh, and then I took that away, and I, I did quite a lot of it on my own, and um, kind of added uh, my friend playing the upright bass, which is all through the second verse, and kind of speaks more to the cynical side of the song, uh, much darker, and juxtaposed with the rest, which is kind of sweeter and has a kind of, um, I guess it, it toes the line between a melancholic 60s girl group and uh, a kind of sexually explicit 90s R&B song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All righty. Now, I, you did a, a video for Optimist and also Best Behavior and I think another one, uh, Good Taste. So how, how involved do you get in the visual representation of you and your songs? So it's all me, um, especially Optimist and Best Behavior. So, I mean, Optimist to start off with is is almost entirely me. I just, uh, I learned a lot about um, video editing and After Effects and, and animation and the, um, and kind of like building a certain kind of um, specific logic that is, I guess, very specific to me. It's kind of, um, I'd say it's the logic of a flurry. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I take a lot of pride. I mean, I went to art school and, and the visual component is kind of probably a large reason why I'm in pop music uh, as opposed to um, an, another kind of music because it really is a marriage of, of the visual and the, the sonic, in my opinion. And um, uh so yeah, and I feel very proud of the videos I've made for this. I think, um, especially because I, I and, and the, the a video was just re-released for Superfan, which um, is part of a long time collaboration with uh, my friend Alexander Gander, who's a video director in New Zealand. Uh -huh. And I and I kind of took um, the reins on these videos because I just thought there was a lot left for me to understand and build because I'd like, I wanted to become more of a, um, I'd like to go back to Alex and have more of a defined language about, um, you know, really build, really build. I, I really enjoy working with uh, Alex. So I just, yeah. Do you have an idea for the video in your head when you're writing the song or does when you're op when you're working on the video, does it change the way you ultimately think about the song? Does it have any effect on it? No, because um, I don't really think of anything as I know that it's very it's it's very common to think of yourself in eras, you know, in pop right. music. But really, I think that my aim as an artist is to is to build my own style and not really um, take into account the external. Uh, aspects and so i think that it's just a continuation of a language and um in order to do that i think i find it difficult to be in two places at okay. once i'll put it that way so I, I i feel like the the song has to be complete before i can understand what it is 
and then approach the um, visual components. Yeah. Now the, uh, the album ends with a tune called Night Swimmer, which I think I've read that, that you, when you wrote that, that was kind of the first song that you wrote that you felt belonged to you under your own name. I don't know if that's true or not, but if it is, what does that mean exactly? Um, I think, I mean, what do you think of the song? Oh, yeah, I, I, I thought it was, it was a great, it was a lovely mood to end the record because it, it kind of kind of eased you out. I think it, it really uh, contains a lot of um, a lot of my taste uh, that is consistent throughout my undulation of learning about different um, possibilities in, in in kind of like an audio aesthetic, mm -hmm. and so um, it's important to me because I think it it it's it hasn't. Um, since I wrote it, it still felt relevant to me and it's been around for a little while. So having it just pressed to wax was really important to me. And, um, and uh, I also just think the themes of it, anything that mentions bodies of water, mm -hmm. whenever I get the chance to mention a body of water, I feel like it uh, locks in as something that's very indicative of my... Um, priorities because I, I really think about that a lot just probably because I've darted around the globe right, right. quite a lot finding finding a sense of place so, so what brought you to yeah. Brooklyn because you were living in LA and they're very different places <laughs> they are very different I think um I'm just I'm very interested in the contemporary dance uh world and and it's a very strong uh new york is just i mean absolutely overflowing with beautiful dance work so i'm excited to uh get involved and are you getting involved yeah so i'm currently doing a residency at oceanfront studio which is a diy dance space um and uh i came to that through going to going to performances and, and specifically getting in, involved with um, Sarah Kinlaw, who is uh, definitely just someone I really admire. She's a, she's a, an incredible artist I've been aware of for a long time, um, primarily as a dancer, but then she, she put out a record um, that I really loved. So in the pop realm. So I just felt even more connection to her and, uh, it's resulted in this kind of wonderful offer to use this space. So cool. definitely getting involved. Yeah. So do you think of your dance and your music as two separate things? Do they, do they merge? How do you, how do you approach the two of them? Yeah. I mean, my, when I feel most connected to music, even especially that music I haven't made, it's when I'm walking around listening to it and kind of the cinematic notion of feeling alone with it and also it's so uh in headphones you know it's so omnipresent right. in a way and you can feel uh in in my case i walk around dancing so um 
certainly that's an that's a that's a priority when I'm when I'm writing music, too. Yeah. Uh, okay. So what 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 is your next creative endeavor? Um, I certainly have I have a, a lot of uh, irons ready to be put in the Do fire, but um, I <laughs> I feel like um, I don't know what's going to take flight yet, so I'll, I'll keep it. Um, Keep it percolating before I say too much. And are you doing live shows and things, or what's happening there? I definitely like to. Yeah, that's definitely um, something I'd like to do. And do the songs take on a different form when you perform live? I think they just become fully themselves. Uh-huh. Actually, I don't think it's. I think it's. I think it's so vital for for music to have. Um, interaction a physical interaction involved and i think um i think i really hear the songs properly either when other people are playing them or when i get to play them to people um yeah i mean that's something about the live show or or the way that i play live there's a lot of um there's a lot of interaction with the crowd right and i think that's part of it it's kind of like we're sharing in something and um, this isn't about me really anymore. And do you, do you hang out with the fans afterwards at the merch table and all that stuff and have some kind of interaction there as well? Definitely. That's, that's honestly one of my favorite parts. It's so nice. It's very different because you can tell I'm older. So the idea of that happening like back in the seventies when I was going to lots of concerts would never happen, you know, You'd go see yeah. the Rolling Stones, and suddenly Mick and Keith are standing out at the merch table. It would be unthinkable. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't imagine like I find it. I, I think it's so much part of the purpose mm-hmm. of it that I can't imagine not having it. Very good. All right. So, are you coming back to New Zealand anytime soon, or are you there for a while? I'd I'd really love to come back to New Zealand when the opportunity arises. Yeah, I mean, I always take the opportunity when it does. So, very good. Have a great day. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay, bye. Bye bye.